Today we have got Chris, Chris Jack from Nordic Property. Hi, Chris. Hi there. How are you doing? Great, thank you. Uh, my name is Michelle Cairns, your host as always here. And today is the 18th of November 2021. Um, Chris today is going to be talking to us about deal sourcing and his journey in property and how he's kind of got started. Um, I've known Chris for quite a while now and been keen to get him on and, and talking about um, how, you know, he's gone from the corporate world to to the property world. And I know that that is a uh, familiar topic on some of these podcasts, but I just think it's so inspiring that people can just change everything in their lives in terms of like their their career and just reinvent themselves so um and then you know once they're in the property world it's kind of feeling around for um what is what works for them and and how they you know choose their strategies and uh, and end up with one particular strategy so let's let's get started chris with you know the deal sourcing side of things because um, it's a it's an interesting topic at the moment because people are saying, oh, there's no deals, property market's too hot, um, you know, the investors want one thing and that, that just doesn't exist. So what is your experience of what's going on in the property market? And then we'll we'll talk around this, yeah. your, your background after that. Perfect. Well, thanks very much for inviting me on. It's, uh, it's always nice to you know, be asked to... <laughs> pass something back to the people because I, I know when I first started out and I think we'll get onto it soon anyway but uh, you, you're just reaching out to people all the time and constantly asking questions to get as much knowledge as you can uh, so it's nice to now be in a position where I can give back to people in that respect so uh, hopefully something from this might help people uh, it's definitely helped me uh, from other people as well uh, in terms of deal sourcing it is one branch of what we do at the moment yeah it's uh it's one arm, as we say, of all the property companies that we've got going. And yeah, it's been it's been a tricky one this year in, in some respects. It's had its highs and it's had its lows, but at the same time, it's just been about finding a different solution to the problem, as they say, because uh, property is still selling. It's selling even you know, higher uh, volumes. People are seeing like uh, unprecedented increases in capital appreciation in certain areas that they've never seen before so uh, the, the market is so hot so there's clearly people are still buying things uh, it's just making those deals fit an investor uh, is where the problems have gone because uh, the, making it stack in terms of figures that is this paramount bit that makes it work for, for the investor people wanting the house to buy for themselves for instance uh, they don't mind paying above the asking price. They don't mind if it's only like a 4% yield or 5% yield because to them it's not about that. And we've seen a lot of this happening. Whereas for an investor, they want, you know, the six, seven, eight, nine percent if you buy a buy to let. It's all about the figures and the returns. So they've got a maximum limit they're willing to spend. Uh, so it's trying to find, find those gems, really, the uh, diamonds in the rough at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, you're right there about matching the right deal with the right person. And do you think that people's expectations have adjusted over the year, realising they're actually not going to get what they were getting two or three years ago? 
uh, or are people still holding out and uh, you know holding out for those higher ROIs? It's certainly, as you say, there, it's certainly changed 100%. I mean, one thing we started to do more towards the summertime onwards uh, was reset our clients' uh, expectations, if you will, because initially we like to work more one-to-one with our clients. I mean, we still have a bigger database that we send deals out to. However, we do prefer the more personal uh, sit down with the conversations, meet them if we can, uh, and then find out what's what. Uh, because that way you can, you can be more precise in searching your criteria instead of trying to find something and see if it sticks. You're working more specifically in that way. Now, as people try and dip their toes in property, they understand a little bit about the terms of like buy, refurbish, refinance. They see all the glory, or you can get all your money out with less fees up front, et cetera. So a lot of people were looking out for these, uh, for these properties and they just, they were harder to come by. So what we started doing to them is saying, look, instead of holding out for the unicorn, as they say, holding out for the magic one, let's just use the money to make something, uh, to, to get a higher return on it, for instance. So we started buying like cheaper buy to lets, maybe some increase on it, maybe a little bit below market value, but at least this way, the money was being used and earning something back rather than just being sat there waiting for the opportunity that might not necessarily happen. So yeah, we've, we've kind of reset their expectations with that. If they were adamant that they were still wanted by refurbished refinance project, for example, then it was a case of saying, instead of being happy with five or you know, 10% left in, we're saying, look, it's gonna be 20, 30, 40, that thousand left in on a HMO conversion these are the expectations. If you're happy with that, then we can go ahead and find something for you. But don't expect to have all your money out. I don't expect to have less than 5,000 left in. Yeah, I think that's uh, really important that, that you've got that communication with your investors. And I just want to pick up on what you know you said there about working one-to-one because there are a lot of deal sources out there and, um, and the usual situation is where the deal sourcer uh, finds a deal and sends it out to their mailing list. And that is, you know, it's tough because the de- the deal sourcer has, you know, whatever, you know, the only, the only projects they've got on the go, that's, you know, if that's the all, all that's available, well, that's the deal. Um, but for the investors that are receiving those, they're thinking, well, this doesn't stack, right? Um, so... But there isn't a black and white kind of spreadsheet of this is this is what a deal looks like. This is what stacks and what doesn't, because every investor is different. And as you said, some are happy with the um, four or five percent of the you know single let deals, and others you know want more. So um, by working one to one with your investors, um, how do you think that's gone this year in terms of you explaining to them? Things are changing. You can't get what you're used to. Um, and, you know, obviously you prefer that style to work one-to-one. But how, how many investors can you have on that one-to-one basis versus a that's, whole database? Yeah, you can just that's the good question. Them. That's the good question. I think the thing there is because the more you grow, the big more the clients you get. Obviously, you can't have that personal relationship as strong as it was before because you ain't got enough time to do things because you're out doing work for a bunch of people. Now, it's not to say that all of them have been successful in that respect, because 
uh, people want things fast in some respects. So there's a lot of investors who are, you know, the, the, the money's burning a hole in the pocket and they say, I need something now with this. And it's like, well, we'll do what we can with all this. We've got this, we've got this. If it doesn't meet, then by all means, you can go and find something yourself. But initially what we're trying to do with them is to, it's almost like an earn and learn. We've had a lot of projects where we've been with investors now who we've taught them, we've done the project management for them, for an example, a HMO conversion, and they've taken them through the steps, you know, from getting a scope of work, getting a build team together, how things are done, introducing them into regulations. Because, And then there's other, other people we work with who are just, tell me when it's done, that's all I want to know. How much now? How much will I get back? It's yours. Tell me when it's finished. So it's, it, you, we need to have that conversation with the investors to make sure we can meet their expectations and they're not expecting too much from us because the last thing we want is you know for someone to be upset with unrealistic terms that they've imposed that no one can meet to so that is key that we've gone through at the moment um a lot of them they, they understand things very well they're quite open to it as well so there's occasional people who are adamant that they still want the uh you know all money out deal and in the market is just too hot at the moment especially we're based in the northwest uh, it's seen one of the highest increases in capital appreciation. So the, the asking prices are going way above, uh, the purchase price has gone way above the asking price, should I say. So uh, it's harder to get those cheaper deals to make them stack the way they used to do. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely changed in that way. Do you think, are there many investors out there that are changing their strategy from, let's say, for example, where it used to be below market value now, uh, because the prices are higher and they don't stack as the buy, you know, the uh, below market value, um, they're actually looking at adding value in other ways, whether that is through planning gain or um, or splitting the property into a HMO, for example, um, or you know, building on site somehow. Is there, is there a, are people looking at it in a more creative way, or they're just not there yet? <laughs> no, it's 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 another good thing you say because. That has definitely increased uh, substantially, we found. I mean, it's gone from a generic, maybe converting a three or four bed into a five or six bed, uh, to let's try and get them all on suites or let's create another floor, for instance. Yeah. Um, however, the, the downside that we found with this at the moment is obviously uh, the price of property has gone up, so it's harder to find the margins the way it works. And you got double that with the price of materials so build costs have increased dramatically to the point where it doesn't stack anymore. Uh, at the moment, we're going through a purchase with one of our clients. It was initially going to be a six-bed all-on suite. However, the build costs now have made it unviable, and it's just not going to stack. So we have to now go through option uh, B and C, which is either a five-bed, but it probably won't work again. So we're looking more realistically at making it into a flip. So there's still a profit margin there if we flipped it, because obviously the Bill costs have scaled down dramatically, but uh, it's it has affected uh, a lot of things in a lot of ways in that respect. Yeah, yeah, and and do you find that some people are you know because it's not an overnight thing, even though as much as some people would like that instant deal and instant turnaround, actually the period of time between securing a deal and people getting the uh, all the quotes in and and it going through the process that actually people by the end of it are saying this just isn't going to work and you've got to pass that on to another investor that has lower expectations or can you know wait longer to add the value 
over time? That's, we've got a few examples of that that's happened to us this year. And this is where the key thing of having the relationships with your investors comes in, because we came to um, the, like the 11th hour, if you will, on the completion of this. And it, it being so long in the process that everything had changed, the dynamics of it, the costs, et cetera, like I mentioned. So when we spoke to the, the initial investors, like, look, it, it's not what we agreed. I can't continue with this. We're thinking, right, well, this is, this is, we're stuck here. However, we knew other people who were happy uh, with, the, with the deal, with the, with the returns that this was offering. So it was a case of phoning around, making a few phone calls. We managed to carry on with the deal, but with a new client. So again, that's the kind of benefits there of knowing, knowing your list and knowing your investors, what they want and trying to match it again. So it saved us in that situation for sure. Yeah. And that, I guess that helps when you've got a few investors that you're talking to. How do you retain the investors where, um, you know, that I guess they must be speaking to other sources as well, because, you know, if the, um, if there aren't many deals around that fit their criteria, then how, how does that dynamic work with trust and compliance and relationships? And yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny you should mention this because a few of the people that we work with, they've openly said, look, I want to work with, with someone more closely because I don't want to be sitting on someone's mailing list and having to call in on the very moment within the hour, etc. I want to just be able to give somebody my criteria my finances and say you make this happen uh, so they've openly said look we're, we're almost going vetting like six or seven other sources at the time so it's a case of we've had to give them case studies examples of projects we've done deals we've sold uh, even investors that we've worked with so they can see if they want to work with us because it's a two-way relationship this as well it's not just about seeing someone on the other side with a pot of money thinking yes let's do something they, it's a, they've got to trust you with that because you're not buying bags of crisps. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of money you're dealing with. So they need to trust you and you need to know you can work with them. So we've had a lot of times where we uh, we're happily, very open, we've got nothing to hide. So we say, we give them as much examples as they need. Uh, and that way then we get that relationship uh, we can move forward with them. Mm. And how did that work at the beginning then? Because obviously, you know, you've got to start somewhere and there's, got to be a point where you haven't done as many deals is it just about finding you know people who are more patient and I guess they're looking at you and other things that you've done in your life and the other things you've done in the property journey and I'd happy to kind of just you know stick with you during that those early stages definitely I mean it's, it's one of those it's a catch-22 isn't it it's, it's yeah. you need the experience to do something but without the experience you can't do it so it's it, it's <laughs> there's been a few situations like that where you've been caught however uh, as I mentioned deal sourcing is is one branch or one arm of what we've done now my background before this I did set up a rent-to-rent business which I managed to systemize and put in place uh, so it, that can just run on its own to one side so with a few years of doing that I've got enough experience enough know-how uh, within the property business to know what I'm talking about uh, and enough people then could see that as justification of why we should do things with them in terms of uh, like a buyer refurb or selling deals for instance well we can stack deals we can appraise the figures uh, we can show that by the work so although as a as a deal sourcer at the very beginning it might not necessarily have the back catalogue to say we've sold however many but the experience that we've had in the property world was enough for us to tie over those first few. And then it's just, it's reputation by that point. Uh, yeah. People introduce you to other people and it kind of just grows from there. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's really important that it's it's that ecosystem of other things that are going on and, and other experiences are all feeding to, uh, you know, to, to that one arm, the one branch of that business. So I think that's just important for other people to kind of realise that, you know, sometimes you think, well, why do I, you know, why am I doing this rent to rent or why am I going to this meeting or why am I making this phone call? But actually the compound effect of all of those things actually you know as long as you you're focused on the goal then you've got that all of that experience in different areas so it might not necessarily need to be uh the area that you're looking at um but I know you've done training with other people as well so you know there's lots of things that feed into this it's not just like you know one day you you know you turn up and you want to be a sourcer it's there's a lot of background that's knowledge and experience and um, deals. When we when we first started out, uh, it was like everybody always said that the best thing you can do is just get as much knowledge as you can. There's enough free information out there on the internet uh, on books or audio books, etc., for you to understand that there's so much more to property than just saving up a stack of money and then buying a house, saving up more money, buying out. There's so many different strategies, so many different ways. So once you you looked into the property world a bit more, I just found myself leaning like most people do when they start out, is, is towards the uh, the lower setup costs. You know, for instance, like the rent to rent or deal sourcing, you don't need much capital to set the businesses up and get involved with it. However, it's a stepping stone into property where you can gain the knowledge and experience. So for me, that was where I kind of ventured into the rent to rent and just carried that through uh, and moved along with that. Again, I went on to advanced training. So I tried to just grow, grow the knowledge, grow the experience really, because I like to be fully immersed in what I'm doing. There's no point, you know, dipping your toes in and then getting caught short. It's get yourself involved, get as much information as you can. And then it's knowledge is so, so powerful in property. Yeah. Yeah. And and what about sort of the flip side, the investors then? Are you finding that uh, most of them are new to property and they've just got some spare cash in the bank and they're not sure what to do with it? Or are you primarily dealing with more sophisticated investors? Yeah, it's it's a mix. It really is a mix, to be honest with you. There's a, there's a few people here who have just got, you know, the 50, 60,000. They're going, I know property's good, but I don't know what to do with it. Uh, I've heard people, it's like people talk about Bitcoin. They go, if I put money in Bitcoin, I'm going to make some money. If I let someone else do that for me, we're sorted. But uh, there's obviously more to it. So they're happy to be more like holding hands, et cetera, walk them through, explain in detail like why this is a good area, why it's a good property, uh, why these figures are what they are. And there's others who are the more sophisticated investors. We just phone them and say, we've got this deal. These are the numbers. And they say yes, no over the phone. So there's other people who want, on the flip side, they want to know the color of the door. They want yeah. to know how long the grass is at the back. Others are just, are the figures what we said? Yes, they are. Right, make it happen. Okay. And your investors, are they all looking for one specific area or are they open to sort of across the country? Um, and, and do you, when they come to you, so let's say you're working with, I'm not sure how many, let's say five to 10 investors. Are you just then finding out what they want, going out and looking for deals directly to fit with their criteria? Um, or is it sort of a general, uh, you know, that you're, you're out there looking for all sorts of deals. And then if one comes up that, that matches the criteria, then you'll connect them. It's, it's, it's a good one, that one, because there's so many different avenues you can get lost down uh, when you start, you know, you start searching and looking. There's a lot of 
lot of relationships you'll make with estate agents uh, and people in networks who bring you things and bring you stock and think, I've got this, what do you think of this? I mean, at the moment we work quite a lot with uh, a lot of co-sources. So if people want to bring deals to us, we will appraise them and see if they fit any of our investors' needs. Uh, at the same time, so we've got a lot of stuff that we have to go through and then we've got our own time, which we're out searching for the property. So it's 50-50 in, in some respects. Ideally, I'd like to spend more time focusing directly for what they need, uh, whereas sometimes it's a case of we might have something that, sh that could fit what they want. And it's yeah, just it's, it's, it's weighing up the balance, isn't it? Of, uh, yeah. You know, I spoke to an agent yesterday and I was like, right, I'm looking for blocks of flats. It's like, oh, I was like, anything like that, just send them, send them across to me. He's like, right, okay. Well, I've got this restaurant uh, with this flat above it. And I'm like, no, no. I'm sure people get that a lot. So it's a balance of not annoying people, but you yeah. know, they might be interested. You never know. So um... it's we've had a few, we've had we've managed to get a few clients who are on representative funds as well. So they because of the location of where we are in the northwest, that people a lot of people come to us because they like they like Liverpool. They just like they just think uh, they're from like from London or from down south, and they see Liverpool. You can get a house for sixty, eighty thousand. Uh, they don't believe it at first, and it's like, well, they're they're two a penny. They're everywhere, and they they see it's fascinating that you can get you know a six, seven, eight percent yield on a buy to let, which is you know pretty standard for this area. Whereas compared to London, you're looking at you know one, two, three percent. So to them, it's a great investment. It's a great area. So. We do have clients who are happy to go anywhere as long as the figures are right. Uh, but the majority of people seem to use the Northwest as their as their base, really, as their as their gold mine, as they say. They they know they can get good value for money up there. It's a lot cheaper than than down south. Um, um, what about the due diligence? Because you mentioned about remote investors there. So how well do you like research the street? Because obviously, you know, places like the north in the northwest, you know, they can vary the by the street. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a big one that because it's like you say, you can be on one street. That, we've even had it where the top of the street is good and the back of the, the end of the street is bad, and it's just it's it's finding. You're speaking with uh, with other vendors. You're speaking with other potentially even other investors that have bought from you because they know areas as well because they specifically target certain areas. So we reach out to them and say, "What do you think of this area? You've had any problems with this? What do you know?" Uh, it's it's the information can be anywhere. We do use um, paid subscriptions to things like Property Data, for example, uh, which gives you overviews of the prices you know the crime rates and this sort of thing so you can delve into it a bit more by using your due diligence in that respect but generally speaking it's 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 boots on the ground and speaking with people that you get the biggest feel for things yeah and i guess you know you can look at the data yourself and and relay as much as you know to the investor but at the end of the day surely it's their responsibility to do their own due diligence as it's well so. we do stress we have we have to be it's, it's all well and good for us to put the information in front of them and say this is what we found however it's you must do your own due diligence there's no you can't just sit back and say well you said this because all we're all we're presenting you is is the facts that we've seen there's no there's no well it could be worth this if you maybe did this it's just look this is your sole comparison this is what you're buying it for they're the two facts you can make your mind up on what we presented to you and if you think it's different, then of course we can talk about it. But there's no, you can't, you, 
you can't hide in this game in that respect. You get caught. You see it so many times where people, they, they're so loose with the figures. We've even had a lot of investors come to us because they're saying, I can't trust sources. I can't trust some sources because they're too loose with the figures. It makes no sense. It doesn't stack. So it, they kind of scrutinize you a bit more, but I prefer that because you know, yeah, they can trust you more then because if you're presenting the information to them that they, that they expect, it helps build that relationship. Yeah, it's very easy to make a deal look great if you uh, forget to include a few things on there and tweak the numbers. And um, but at the same time, you know, you, do you stress test it at six percent on the mortgage, or you know, do you put it in at three point five where it might be today? You know, we do, yeah, we we do four percent. We do a four percent uh, on on the buy to lets. So we always put a, put it in at four percent. Because we know people can get it, you know, the 2.8 potentially, mm. they can get it a bit lower than that. So they can get it at a good rate, but we stress test it at 4% and we'll always put a 20% contingency on any build costs. So if we're doing yeah. the build costs, we'll put excessive amounts because if it still works with that, then you know you're going to be okay yeah. uh, in that respect. So it's, yeah, we, we're not, there's no point again of selling yourself short uh, with, with situations that can only come back in a negative impact on yourself. No one wants to be caught in that situation. So, no. yeah, we do we do stress test the deals quite, uh, from our responsibility, quite well. And what about yourself then? Because aren't you tempted to see, you know, some of the deals that come along? You might think, oh, this this one I could do. Uh, I could yeah. work with work with the investors on a joint venture basis or on a private loan rather than just handing it over to them. Um, what are you up to at the moment and what are you kind of looking at? Yes, for? so it's, we've, we've actually gone, we are looking more like towards that route, like I say, because initially we started out with the sourcing a, a, a year ago and it was working that one-to-one, getting out the database, growing the list, etc. And as we streamlined it towards the personal relationships, it was a case of, well, if we're, if we're doing all this, we're doing all these conversions for people, getting all the money and they're getting the houses, we we should be working with the investors doing it for ourselves so we are looking we are open looking for joint ventures with people we've got a few properties at the moment a few deals at the moment where we're talking with people about it uh, and we've kind of one of the properties we did sell to an investor and he got cold feet and pulled out we're now purchasing ourselves because it was such a good deal uh, it was originally a we're talking about 30 35% below market value and that was started a year before the prices started going up so uh, we we we're now buying that ourselves because it's uh, it was too good a deal to resell. So yeah, well, uh, it, the perks of the job, right? <laughs> you can pick the ones you want to pick, isn't it? But uh, now we've uh, some of the other projects we've got going on. We're about to kick off another one with another client. Uh, it's going to be a conversion to a seven bed HMO all on suite. Uh, we've got a got a very big project for a service accommodation in Liverpool coming soon. I don't want to give too much away on that one yet, but it's going to be uh, quite a an exciting end result on this one. It's going to be a, a luxury party pad uh, in the centre of Liverpool. So that's going to, that's a joint venture we've got with two other people going there. Uh, so we're openly trying to find more we can do. The more the merrier. And what about the, um, you've mentioned there about service accommodation and we've talked about HMOs. Uh, service accommodation is obviously another hot topic. So how do you see the you know what are the investors looking for at the moment then given the changes in the market is there a significant shift towards looking for service accommodation or are people still happy with the you know vanilla buy to lets 
Yeah, it's. I think with with the big pump, uh, big push for big, big push for uh, staycations this year, service accommodation really has taken off. Now, uh, you with having the rent to rent background, that you know we can, well, it kind of fits into that uh, type of category. We don't specifically go looking for rent to rents anymore uh, or SAs, for, for instance. We do have some ourselves. We've got properties across Bristol. A uh, couple in Birmingham, blocks of flats in Liverpool. So we do we, we openly take them ourselves, uh, but it's it really has taken off. Uh, I know a lot of people who are looking for service accommodations because of the current climate that and the expectation of the returns that it offers. Basically, it really has taken. Yeah, the returns are there for sure. Um, but you've got the longer term growth on the other projects as well. So. Um, and what about the other ones in terms of planning gain and a bit more creative deals? Are they, are, you know, are you kind of open to working with the landlords in that way? Or is it just kind of a bit more straightforward things that are just sitting on the market and you follow up with those? Yeah, there's, there's, there's been a lot that's happened with that gone from, again, we mentioned about before about the, the fact that we've seen a lot of people, uh, the build costs have gone to the point where it almost doesn't stack. So people are starting to do, look at it a bit differently in that respect. Now, a lot of a lot of uh, deals at the moment are getting extensions, side extensions or attic conversions because of the, the extra increase in value that, that that offers. So there's a lot more of that going on uh, for sure. There's a lot more of that happening. We're working with, uh, a landlord at the moment on one of the properties with him. It's a nine bed property, but we're actually cutting it down to an eight bed uh, because it it only had two bathrooms. So because of that, it wasn't appealing to people and he was losing rent from not having people in there. So he said, look, lose one of the bedrooms, can split it so the front half becomes another bathroom and then the back half becomes an ensuite to a room. So you've, you've added a lot more value to the property with that. So we're doing through some things like that with the landlord at the moment uh, on one of the projects as well. Okay. Well, um, I think in terms of in terms of actually people, investors, potential investors coming to somebody like yourself, what do you what would you like to say to them in terms of their expectations? Uh, it's in terms of expectations. Uh, I think you just find this a very open and honest. Uh, it's it's a company really. We like to say have the have the one to one chats find out what it is that you want from property because a lot of people they're not really sure they just think they've got money let's make it into more money uh, there's a lot of different situations that affect where you invest what strategy you invest in how much are you able to take on the risk versus the safer bets with the buy to let for instance so it's just about asking the right questions to the investors to find out how we can help you best is the ultimate question because we're, we're a servant to yourselves who want to grow your portfolios, basically. Yeah, I think, you know, that's the key question is what do the investors want? And um, the clearer they are, the easier your job is, right? <laughs> well, you should be. You've got a lot of people who don't really know. We've actually got a client flying over from Prague soon. Uh, he's flying over to spend the day with us. Uh, so we've lined up some viewings with him. We're going to take him around some projects we've got on. Uh, so it's just a case of spending a day, as much information he can get from us as much information we can give him again it's about cementing that relationship so it goes a long way to show that he's flying over just to meet with us as well so uh, we're happy to do that to anybody who wants to jump forward happy to jump on to uh, individual calls uh, and talk about joint ventures on projects that we could have coming up
Fantastic. Well, where can people find out more about what you're up to and tell us more about your podcast as well? Because I know you've got one yeah. that's really successful. So well, no, thank you very much. I'm sat in the uh, sat in the studio at the moment. So this is why I've got this fluffy, uh, fluffy wallpaper behind me. Uh, it's again, so it's the whole about the arms, the branches and the property. So we've gone into the podcast side. So we wanted to be able to, again, it's just about giving the information back to people because a few a few things when we were starting out it was we were always sold the dream we were always sold the that i could buy houses for no money it's an instant success and everybody's happy and it it's not there's a lot to this and you've hit upon yourself today you said you know there's so many problems behind uh, a successful seller of a package of a deal or a property it's not simple uh, people make it look simple uh, but there are problems so we like to be a, a warts and all uh, get it out there to say, learn from our experiences, our mistakes potentially, uh, and to make sure it helps other people get through their property journey. So if you, it's the, property, the podcast is called Property Pals, Property Pals Podcast uh, has its own uh, website. You find it all on Spotify, uh, it's YouTube. Uh, we have our own Instagram accounts, etc. So we, we update that regularly on our own projects, the podcast projects, and we have a new company coming out soon. We're just about to launch it. Uh, we've merged companies with someone else now. So I've got a partner. So it's two, two minds, four sets of hands, more work to be created, more work to be completed. Well, keeps you out of trouble, doesn't it? Hey? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Definitely. Well, we will put the links to those in show notes. I'd encourage everyone to uh, follow yourself, Chris, and, and the podcast and, find out more about investing in the Northwest with you and looking for deals and, and just keeping, you know, that one of the great things about these podcasts is that, um, you know, we're just up to date with what's going on in the market as well and, and where things are at. So uh, it's a great source of information and um, real time uh, updates. So, yeah, well, thank you so much for your time today and uh, look forward to seeing what you're up to next. And uh, who knows what 2022 will hold. We'll find out. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for everything. You're welcome. All right, then take care and we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. And for anyone who is not yet a subscriber of the magazine, please click the link in the show notes for your free first copy. Take care, guys. See you next time.